Hey guys, it's Haley Ryan, and today on the Winning Edge pregame podcast, I get to sit down with the first female Muslim golfer in Division I college sports, Miss Noor Ahmed. Noor talks about why she chose to wear a traditional headdress and all of the challenges that came with that. She also discusses the importance of being a strong role model for her little brother who could possibly be going through some of the same challenges that she went through. Noor has overcome a lot and she sits down and talks about all of it with me right here on the Game Podcast. Stay tuned. What's up today? I am here with Noor Ahmed. She is the first female Muslim American golfer in the NCAA. Noor, how are you doing? Thanks for being on the call today. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, So I just want to jump right in. You know, how did you get started in golf? Both my parents were athletes. I come from a family, a very large family of athletes. And so Our parents probably threw us into a pool or on a soccer field, probably before we could walk properly. (laughs) We started in sports, my brother and I, at a very young age. Uh, My dad's goal for us was that we would hopefully eventually earn a scholarship to play at the collegiate level. Um, My dad graduated with a lot of student loan debt, and so he felt like that would be a great way for my brother and I to be able to hopefully get through college debt-free. So your father went to college here and he had a lot of debt. Was he born here? Did he grow up here? How how was his kind of journey? Both my parents were born in Egypt, actually. Um, and my dad moved to the United States when he was 16. Um, he didn't know very much English. He struggled in high school, but eventually he worked really hard and he got into Washington University in St. Louis, um, wow. which is where they had moved to, which if people don't know, it's an extremely well-known and good university. And he worked a lot of jobs, put himself through college, his undergrad and graduate degree from WashU. And so, I mean, it's a private school. He graduated with a lot of student loan debt. And so um, he felt like he wanted to be able to put his kids through college without them having a uh, struggle paying it off after. And what did he graduate with? What was his degree? What's his job now? Uh, my dad's a civil engineer, so both his undergraduate and graduate degrees are in civil engineering. So very smart. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you're growing up, you know, I know you mentioned in your application that you were in sport, but you never felt like you were looked at the same and you went through a lot of hardships. So kind of just tell me, walk me through that and what it was like for you when you were younger. Yeah, definitely. I played a lot of sports growing up, not just golf. I swam and I played soccer and I was a gymnast for a little bit, but eventually golf is just what stuck. And um, I think golf is uh, obviously a very predominantly white male driven upper middle class like driven sport. And diversity is definitely something that golf lacks a lot of. And so I think for me growing up, I was the only girl that practiced at my home course. So I practiced with the guys a lot and they would always tell me, you know, they would be like, it's an honor for you to play with us, uh, being the only girl. And if you want to compete with us, you have to play from the back tees with us. So I compete from the back and it sucked, but it made me a much better player because it made the game harder. But I really wanted to compete with them and show them that I am just as good, if not better than they were. And so, yeah, I grew up like the only girl at my home course. 
And then in seventh grade, I started wearing the hijab, which is like uh, how some Muslim women choose to dress. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of definitely when I started like really sticking out. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of like I had accepted the fact that I was going to go everywhere to school, to the golf course. and I would be the only person who ever looked like me. And I just kind of unfortunately fell into that trap of like white male normalcy in golf. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just got so used to it. I didn't think about it as much, but definitely like every time I go to a golf course, I'm like, I know people are going to look at me and be like shocked or ble- think that I don't belong. And so it's definitely a lot of added pressure to constantly feel like I need to play well. I need to prove that I do belong here and not just as any golfer, but a golfer that can compete at an elite level. And what made you decide to start wearing the hijab? You know, you said you were already the only female doing it with all the guys. And then, you know, what made you decide to start wearing that? I kind of just felt like it was something that I felt like I always wanted to do in my life. And it just seemed like the right time. I didn't talk to anyone about it, any of my family. It was kind of a surprise to them when I did start Mm -hmm. wearing it. Um, I kind of just walked out and was like, I'm going to start wearing it today. And everyone in my family was kind of shocked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I don't know. It just felt like the right time. And I, I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was honoring my faith and my culture. And I think I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home where my parents and my older cousins and older family members, like always reinforced, like you have a beautiful and strong culture that you should be proud of. And just because you're growing up in a country where that's not always supported or you're told the opposite, like, that's not true. Like, you should be proud of who you are. And so I think, like, even though, like, whenever I would leave in, like, my house and, like, be in the outside world or however you'd want to think about that, and I, it would be constantly, like, torn down, like, no, you don't belong here, all that stuff. Like, my parents built, like, such a good foundation, I feel like, for my brother and I that it wasn't difficult to deal with that. What was it like in school with friends when you started wearing that? What was their reaction? Um, some of my friends who are from similar cultural backgrounds or had parents who were immigrants, like it didn't faze them at all. Um, I think because they know what it's like to go home and have a culture very different than what most people um, in where, where I live, like in Sacramento, are used to. Um, so for them, it was just like, I didn't phase them at all. But I think for a lot of other kids, like, I mean, I definitely lost friends, like, or some people like distanced themselves for a while until they kind of realized that I was still the same person. I was just mm-hmm. dressing a little differently. So I think mm-hmm. once they kind of saw that I wasn't changing who I was, like, they quickly, you know, moved past it. Yeah. And that's obviously <clears throat> in America, there's such a stigma on, that in that culture and it's almost because it's not we're not educated enough in it so how did that make you feel like you were powerful or you could you know kind of educate people like your friends on that since you were still so young I think it's difficult because I struggle with wanting people to know about me and my culture so that they can better understand me as an individual but then also Mm -hmm. explaining to people that the people of my faith or my culture or ethnicity like we're not a monolith so I'm just like one person of 
almost a billion and a half Muslim people. This is how I choose to practice my faith and other people may or may not choose to practice it this way. So I think explaining how and why I do things or how or why I live my life the way I do um, as it relates to my culture, but then also explaining that we're uh, probably one of, if not the most diverse uh, faith in the world. So people are going to express it differently. And this might be kind of a tough question, but was there ever a time or an instance you can remember just someone just rubbed you so the wrong way by the way they treated you or looked at you or anything for your culture and what you chose to wear to school? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I get it everywhere, really. Like, you get really good at, um, or I got really good at differentiating, like, the way people were looking at me. So, like, I can tell if people are curious or if they're just kind of, like, in shock or maybe they don't understand. And then I can tell when people, like, have hatred. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you have to get really good at that because you need, like, for me, I need to be able to get myself out of situations that might be bad. And then, um, I mean, I've been called, like, every racial slur in the book. And so it's not, for me, like, I think um, I can be at times, as my dad would say, like, very stubborn. So I think every time people would do that, it would just kind of make me, like, even more determined to, like, do whatever I was doing, whether it be, like, playing golf or playing a sport um, or just simply existing. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, it's just kind of makes me more and more determined. Was there any fear going into college and a new place, a new environment with new people, knowing that you would maybe kind of have to deal with some of this stuff again with friendships and with people who don't know you and all of that? Oh, for sure. I mean, like I said, my dad's from St. Louis, so he kind of knows the Midwest very well. And for me, it was going to be my first experience really living in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember like um, the night before we left, my dad was going to drop me off in college. And the night before we left, he sat me down and was like, you, you haven't, you've never lived in the Midwest. You don't know what it's like, but you need to like, make sure you don't stand out and don't talk about politics with anyone. And I was like, okay, but it made me mad because I was like, no, I have a right to exist the way that I am. And I shouldn't have to, you know, change that out of fear. And I think my dad was doing Mm -hmm. it because he was afraid for his daughter, which is totally understandable. I'm the oldest child and like the first person in my family to go away for college. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely a huge culture shock for me. Sacramento is pretty diverse and coming to Nebraska, even like being on a university campus is still very, very uh, predominantly white. Even our athletic department is like more white than most other athletic departments, just because of like our location and the heartland of the country. Um, So Mm -hmm. there was definitely like, it was difficult. My teammates were very distant at first. The majority of my teammates are white and from small towns in the Midwest. So they've never had a real relationship with like most of them have never had like a strong or real relationship with a person of color, let alone a Muslim woman of color. So I think that was Mm -hmm. like a lot for them and they didn't really know how to deal with it. They, they didn't really know whether like, okay, like we know she's from California, but is she like really like American? Do we treat her like she's an international student or not? And so they kind of struggled with that. But I think over time they kind of realized like, I understand American culture. Like I was born and raised here and 
Mm -hmm. know, I know a lot of it. And just because like, I know a lot about another culture as well doesn't mean that I don't understand American culture. So I think Mm -hmm. for them, like, seeing someone, like, I'm a very strong willed person. And I think seeing a strong willed uh, Muslim woman, like, really kind of rock their world a little bit, because it wasn't, it went against like the stereotypes that they grew up with, and what they had previously Mm -hmm. thought. So I think over time, they learned to like, that I wasn't what they, I wasn't like the caricature that they had in mind. And so, I mean, it's a lot better. I definitely like struggled with some teammates like who couldn't, who it took a really long time for them to kind of like get around it. But I think once they like embrace that part of me, now they think it's like really cool that I can speak another language and that I go to like our mosque on Fridays and they go on Sundays like to church. So I think Mm -hmm. it just kind of took them time, but they eventually like uh, learned. Yeah. And this is kind of going a little, little bit of a backdrop, but you mentioned you have siblings. So how many younger siblings do you have? I only have one younger brother. What have you kind of done for him to help him through maybe some of the same things that he could be going through? I think my brother's a little bit luckier. He doesn't get it as much as I do, but I think um, he'll definitely like, we're very close. So if anything ever happens, like he'll call me on the phone or you know, tell me whatever happened. And he knows that he has someone to vent to and someone who understands. So I think just kind of knowing that you have like someone there to talk to Mm -hmm. is a big thing, because that's like something that I didn't have when I first came to Nebraska. So now I want to talk about a 2016 Olympic role model that you have. And she was the first Muslim woman to compete representing the USA wearing the hijab. And how, what was that moment for you? Um, It was huge. I still remember um, the first time she's a fencer and I was never like into fencing or really thought about it that much, but I really like Mm -hmm. trying to learn a lot about the sport after I found out about her. And I remember like the day she qualified and it was announced that she would compete. And I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to watch every single fencing match that she competes in. And um, yeah, so I remember like the first, match she competed in and like she won and she takes off her mask and I started crying because I never thought I I never thought that I would ever see myself represented in American culture let alone in sports and at such a high level so it was just like kind of shattered like like the white male normalcy in our sports um which is something that I definitely Mm -hmm. like can relate to her in like in her sport being very similar to golf in that way. But it was just like such an amazing moment and kind of like an aha moment. Like, yes, like we do belong. And I wasn't like crazy to keep telling myself that I belonged in um like the world of sports, especially in the US. And how do you use sport now as a tool since you are a woman of color and you are different and the way you dress is different but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it how do you use sport as a tool as a platform I guess I think the greatest gift um golf has really given me is like it taught me a lot of life skills and core values like had a goal set and it's taught me like whatever you put into something you're gonna get out but I think the biggest thing golf's given me is an amazing resource of people 
And I've been able to build a lot of great relationships with people. Um, I've met like the PGA Tour Commissioner and just so many people in the sports world that I feel like without golf um, and without competing collegiately, I never would have been able to do. So I think the more you compete, obvious for us, and the higher level you go, the more people you meet, the more people you can reach. And that way you become more and more noticeable, I guess, or seen. And so people kind of realize like, oh, wow, like Muslim women competing in a hijab, like it starts to become normal for them. And I know we haven't mm-hmm. gotten to that point yet in the U.S., but like it's not something that's like as shocking anymore. There's so many. I know there's so many basketball players that compete in a hijab now. And obviously, if the Muhammad competed um, at Duke, a fencer in a hijab. So mm-hmm. I think um, becoming just more and more visible, especially for the girls who don't ever grow up seeing someone who looks like them competing in whatever sport that they compete in. And you want to go into college athletics, specifically administration. What do you think is going to be? Obviously, you know, you could this could be a, a setback for you or something, but how are you going to overcome that and, you know, just be ready for people's looks and people's judgment and all of that? Um, I think uh, the past 20 years have been pretty great preparation <laughs> for that, um, especially playing golf. But I think I've built a lot of good relationships with people in our athletic department, especially um people who are uh, other minorities as well, who are, I mean, part of a staff in our athletic department that's predominantly white. Um, So I think they've kind of explained to me the things that they have gone through and uh, how, how it's taken them to get where they are. But I am a firm believer that if you're doing the right things, like people will see that people will see your character and your hard work and um, that you're doing things the right way. So, I mean, my dad mm-hmm. reminds me, like, you have to be twice as good to get half of what other people might get. But if you keep, you know, pounding on the door, eventually it'll open for you. So I think being patient in a system that might not always represent women or um, minorities very well, but we won't be represented until, well, until we start, you know, demanding that we are. So I think just dealing with it the same way I've dealt with being a minority and, you know, my sport my whole life. So speaking of opening doors, the Winning Edge is an organization that looks to open doors for women and for minorities. So how special is that, that you're going to be a part of this? Um, For me, I was extremely excited when um, my mentor kind of told me about it and was like, "You, you need to apply for this because I felt like Obviously, it's such a big area in sports that needs to be addressed. But I'm just excited to obviously meet um, all the mentors um, and speakers that will be there and learn from their journeys and how they decided that sports was the avenue that they wanted to build their career on. Uh, And I'm also really excited to meet the other cohort members because I'm sure as minorities in their sports or at their university, they faced adversity, um, especially going and wanting to go into the sports industry. So I think learning from their journeys and how they have overcome thus far will be like such a big tool to be able to learn from not only for myself, but to be able to bring back to my team and my community here. 
Well, Nora, your story is already an inspiration to me, and I'm sure it will be to everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, thank you for sharing that with us and sharing a little bit of your journey. I can't wait to see you in Atlanta and learn so much more about you. I think you're really special and what you believe in is amazing. So thanks for being on the call. Is there anything else that you want to say? Not that I can think of right now. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, Noor Ahmed, first female golfer, um, Muslim American golfer in the NCAA, and she is going to game change people. So look out for her. I don't know about you, but that was a pretty inspiring story from Noor. Find out more on stories like this one, but obviously they're unique in their own way by searching hashtag WeGameChange on social media. We're on LinkedIn and Facebook and also on Twitter and Instagram at the Leadership. If you want to get involved or donate, visit winningedgeleadership.org. We appreciate all the support that we get. Thanks for listening.